Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. I had a hard time with that because some of us are missing our mothers this morning. So if that's you today as well, may the Lord bless you and bring you peace and bring you comfort on this wonderful Mother's Day that God has prepared for us. You know, Thomas Edison said this of his mother. He said, I didn't have my mother long, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all of my life. The good effects of her early training I can never lose. If it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should have never likely have become an inventor. I was always a careless boy, and with a mother of different spiritual caliber, I should have turned out badly. But her firmness, her sweetness, her goodness were potent powers to keep me in the right path. My mother, he says, was the making of me. Laura Ingalls Wilder said, Lessons learned at a mother's knee last through life. But she also said, The mother is and must be, whether she knows it or not, the greatest, strongest, and most lasting teacher her children will have. Abraham Lincoln said, The greatest lessons I've ever learned were at my mother's knees. Now, these are famous quotes by famous people, and they all have one thing in common. All of these mothers knew their priorities, and they lived them out in their daily actions. All of these mothers were amazing teachers to their children. You know, I looked, and you know what kind of things don't make the quote books? I was not able to find any quotes about things like, hey, my mother always made sure that I had the latest gadgets. Never found anything like that. I never found anything that said, my, I had the greatest mother. She always made sure that I was wearing the latest designer jeans. Or my mother pushed me so hard to get good grades so that I can have a good education, so that I can make the most money that I can. I never found quotes like that. Instead, all the inspirational quotes that I found all had to do with what they learned, with what a child learned from their mother's teachings. Meaning they knew that their mother, mother's priorities were evident in their daily actions. They asked 600 college students to write down the most beautiful word in the English language. And 422 out of the 600 wrote down the word mother. Now, I doubt this has anything to do with the sound of the word or the combination of the letters that make it such a powerful thing in our hearts and in our mind. I strongly suspect that it is our experience with the idea that the letters bring that makes the word mother so undeniably powerful and popular. You see, there is something very special about mothers. And all the things that I've learned from my mother were things that she did. My mother was an extremely hard worker, and I don't know if she really had a choice because she had to raise 10 kids. Now, she used to say things like, you need to earn a living by the sweat of your brow. And today, I share that same work ethic. And I don't say it boastfully. It's just what happened. And the reason I do that is because I, I couldn't help it. I first saw that in my mother. And I recall countless times that she would say simple things that were profound and impactful in my life. And they were so simple, but what she had was the right timing. She always knew exactly when and where to say something. But the main reason that I listened to my mother and I learned so many things from her is because she walked the talk. My mother's priorities were evident in her life. 
And when you talk about priorities, you have to start talking about prioritizing tasks and to-do lists. And Franklin Covey had a lot to say about prioritizing tasks. In fact, he spent the whole lifetime trying to teach you and me how to do priority lists and how to prioritize them. He said that when you prioritize your to-do list, you will always put a number one next to the most important task. But then he realized that all of us had a lot of priorities that we would label as number one. So he took it a step further and said that not only do you put a number one next to the number one priority, but you also have to put a letter A next to the real number one priority that day. And other things that you had to do that day would have a 1B and a 1C, and eventually it would have a number two and a three and so on and so on. Well, you see, Mother's Day is a good day to review a mother's priorities with her children. And I want to start by asking mothers two questions this morning. The first is, do your actions reflect your godly priorities? The second is, are God's priorities for your children at the top of your task list? Meaning, do they have a big one and an A next to them on a daily basis? One of my biggest prayers for my children is that they would grow closer to God. And I'm sure that all of you here as parents would share that same uh, prayer with me. However, if that is our priority as a parent, does it reflect in our task list? And if so, what priority number would we give it? In other words, do we prioritize church-related things where our kids have the potential to grow closer to God, or is it a prayer that we leave completely up to God? And I understand that when our kids are grown, there's not a lot we can do except but to pray, and the most important thing we can do is to pray. But when they live at home, there are many more things that we can do along with our prayers that will help. A current Barna study indicates that Two out of three or 64% of all Americans who accept Christ do so before their 18th birthday. Of those, nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior do so reaching the age before the age of 13. One out of eight or 13% made their profession of faith between the ages of 18 and 21. And less than one out of every four adults, born-again Christians, Embrace Christ after their 21st birthday. Now, I think it's evident that a mother's priorities, although they involve many important duties like diapers and education and dance recitals and sports and all of those important things, I think it's evident that it, they should prioritize the things of God. Don't you? The impact that we make on our children never ends, but it is clear that we don't instill, if we don't instill a relationship with Christ early on, it'll become more and more difficult as time passes. Now, knowing that, wouldn't we want to prioritize with a big one and a big A the things that involve God in our life? This morning, as we celebrate Mother's Day, we're going to be studying the life of Timothy in the Bible. You see, Timothy's sustaining influence can be traced back to his early childhood. Paul, who was Timothy's mentor, teacher, and friend, began this book of 2 Timothy by reminding Timothy of the godly heritage with which he was blessed. He tells him in verse 5, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. You see, God had performed a genuine work in Timothy's life through his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Great names, right? Eunice was a single mother in a very scary world, very similar to today. 
She was a Jewish believer in Jesus. She had been married to a Greek unbeliever who either left or died. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but in Acts, we find out that he's gone. Then, like today, raising a child in a single-parent home was no picnic. I am the child of a single-parent home. My father passed away before I was born, so my mother raised St. Kids on her own. Well, Eunice's boy, Timothy, was like a reward or a compensation to his mother, Eunice, and became an even greater one to God. And there were good reasons that he became such a man of God as he is called in the Bible. And that is because his mom, Eunice, was a wise and spiritually strong mother. Her priorities were learned at her mother, Lois's knees, and then they were passed along over to Tim. We're going to call him Tim starting now. Later in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we find that Paul is writing to Tim, which at that point is a young pastor, which Paul has taken under his wing to train. Now, Paul has just given his own testimony of faithful service and now directs his own personal challenge to his beloved disciple, Timothy. Paul calls his young friend to be faithful to Jesus and the word or his word while he walks in the world. Paul says that it is a world prone to evil because it is inhabited by deceived and deceitful people. And then started in verse 14, it says, But as for you, Timothy, continue what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, Timothy, is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. From this scripture, there are four priorities for mothers that I hope would take the number one A priority in your to-do list, in your lives, in your task list. The first one, you can write this down, priority number one is a strong foundation a strong foundation. The sustaining influence in Timothy, Timothy's life, like I said before, is traced back to his early home life. Timothy's mother gave him a solid foundation for living life. Now, if we don't give our children a solid foundation for God's word, they will be deceived by the deception of this world. And that's what the word says. In verse 13, 2 Timothy, it says, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then he goes on to say the scripture that I read to you before. But as for you, Timothy, continue what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know that those from whom you've learned it, and on and on. Now, it says that as those taught by the word grow better and better through grace, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians, to grow better and better through grace, through, through instruction. But the same thing is true. Bad men or bad people grow worse and worse through the counsel of Satan, and the bondage of their own corruptions and sin. The way of sin is, is kind of slopes downhill. It moves people from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived is what the scripture says. And those who deceive others open themselves to even worse deception. And we all know that the, the world pushes transitory values like, like money and position, power and fame. And, and you can sense that with a, just a quick look at the TV lineup on most evenings, and I don't think I have to spend a lot of time really kind of convincing you of that. I think we all know that to be true. So Paul is telling Timothy here to continue in the things that he had learned and become convinced of. He knew the character 
He knew the quality of life and the modeling of those who had taught him the truths which he now held to be non-negotiable. The word they use here in the scripture is the word whom. It is plural and it alludes to Timothy's mothers and grandmothers who in addition to Paul had spiritually impacted Timothy's life. Timothy still held strongly to the things that they had instilled in him. Mothers, this scripture reminds us that we need to instill God's truth in our children. And as you teach the Holy Scriptures to your children, they take root in their life. Then as the child grows, they can draw faith from the word which you have instilled in their life. The things that Timothy had learned had, and become convinced of had come from three different sources. And they were all side by side of equal importance. The first one was the teaching of his Christian mother and grandmother. The second one was Paul's own teaching testimony. And the third were the Holy Scriptures. Timothy's complete confidence in these sources would be enough to prevent him from backsliding to his commitment to the truth. Now, Eunice taught her son the Scripture starting at a very young age. And we know that Jewish boys start formal training at the age of five. I know there's Bible readings and a lot of different playtime with the Bible before that age, but formal instruction with a Jewish boy does not start until the age of five, which is, it's never too soon to start. And it is said that Susanna Wesley had 19 children. And when I heard that, I thought that coming from a family of 10 was a lot, but 19, this lady had 19 kids. And what is more is that Susanna Wesley is the mother of Charles and John Wesley. And she, they, they say that she used to take each child aside for an hour every single week to discuss and teach them the principles of spiritual leading. Nineteen children, do the math, one hour every week to teach them the, those principles. And now we know that Charles and John Wesley went on two continents for Christ. Now this tells me that if you want your children to have eternal values and in an increasingly deceptive world, there's three suggestions that I have for you. The first one is bring them to church on Sundays and bring them to Wednesday nights. And if you can't come, then you bring your kids and you drop them off. Number two, personally help them apply what is learned in church throughout the rest of the week. Number three, discuss and teach your children the principles of spiritual living. Now, the key here, mothers, is that nobody will make you do this. No one. In fact, it's the opposite today. With God removed from public places and the schools religiously, religiously teaching secular humanism, your child has little chance of growing up to be like Timothy or having any kind of Christian values unless you teach them. For me, uh, growing up with a single mom, all I saw her do was work, and she still had the time to teach me. So when do single mothers and, and even working mothers have the time for Susanna Wesley type of mothering? With all the demands of today's world, this can become another pressure or burden. But mothers, if you will make God's word a priority in your own life and simply live it out before your children and be ready to answer their questions, you will be teaching them through the most important thing, which is your actions. On the other hand, if you don't live out the word or if you won't live out the word, don't bother to teach it in any other way. They will learn what you live. A child that sees a mother carry the Bible to Sunday and not open it from Monday through Saturday will quickly learn that Christianity is just a Sunday thing. Mothers and fathers this morning, 
Building a solid foundation for children is critical. As they grow, they will enter a world of deception, as the, as the scripture tells us. And I keep hearing stories upon stories of young men and young women walking away, walking away from their faith. And those stories are becoming way too often, way, way too common. Folks, all of us here, we need to fight for that solid foundation. We need to just instill that in our children because it's the most critical thing we can do. It is, should be our top priority, number one, is to build that solid foundation. Priority number two is a savior. Now, we know from verse 15 that it was while Timothy's mother and grandmother were teaching him the Holy Scriptures or the Holy Writings that they introduced him to Jesus as Lord and Savior. In fact, verse 15 says, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This scripture implies that Timothy's salvation occurred prior to his acquaintance with Paul, prior to meeting Paul. The simple study of scripture did not save Timothy. The scriptures bring salvation only when one places his or her faith in Christ Jesus. Eunice, his mother, led her boy Timothy to know the Lord Jesus Christ. She taught him about Jesus and expected that he would accept Christ as a savior at a young age, just like the statistics show us. The home, you see, is the best place for your child to be led to faith in Jesus. The word that he goes on to say, the word leads in this verse speaks of anticipation. When a mother anticipates, prays, and leads towards Christ, she has every right to expect the cooperation of God in bringing her child to the Lord. Now, I know this sounds simple, but it's not easy. In fact, going back to Susanna Wesley, she is said to have prayed not only spend one hour with each kid every week teaching them about, about spiritual living, but she used to spend one hour every day praying for all of her kids. She was strict, but she was unselfishly faithful. And she had six rules for teaching her children the priority of the Savior. The first one I want to share with you is very unpopular these days. Subdue self-will in a child. That's what she used to do. She used to teach him to pray. She says, teach them to pray as soon as they're able to speak. Give him or her nothing he cries for and only what is good for him when he asks politely. Don't punish faults that are confessed, but let no sinful act be go unnoticed. Number five, reward good behavior. And lastly, she said, strictly observe all promises you have made to your child. Now, knowing the love of a mother up close and personal will help all of our children, will help your children understand God's true love for them. That's where they get that sense of love because they get to learn it from a mother first. For Timothy, he was taught the word from childhood. And it is the word that made him wise in the ways of salvation. You see, Scripture wises us up or gives us an understanding as to the way of God's salvation and purification so that we can grow spiritually. Our priority as parents, our priority as mothers, should be to lead our children to the Savior, to give them as many opportunities to receive Christ and to model that in our lives. Everything else we do for them is very important, as we know, but not as important as priority number two, which is leading them to the Savior. Priority number three is the Scripture. 
Now let's look at verse 15 again, where it says, And how from infancy, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now the Word of God and the Holy Scriptures here are virtually synonymous. Jesus is the Word of God in the flesh, and the Scriptures are the Word of God written. And here they call them the Holy Scriptures. Now, it is a parent's, it is a mother's sacred duty to instruct their children in the sacred or holy scriptures. The scriptures lead us or bring us to salvation and purification through faith in Christ Jesus, it says. Without them, we would have little significant knowledge of Jesus and certainly no saving knowledge. Now, Paul had just noted that the scriptures are able to make one wise with regard to salvation a lesson that Timothy had learned long before. But now Paul wanted to reemphasize to Timothy the crucial role of God's written revelation in his present life and his present ministry and for the future as well. Thus Paul reminds Timothy in the next verse, verse 16, of the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures. And he tells him that all Scripture is inspired by God. The Apostle Paul proclaims that they are all given by inspiration of God. That is, God's words were given through man, administered by the Holy Spirit, so that the writings were without error. And on the other hand, the writings are by human authors. You know, the writings of Paul are clearly distinguishable from those of Matthew and those of Matthew from Mark and those of Mark from Luke and on and on. Now, we affirm them as the word of God written, for indeed they are God's word. So if that is being the case... Shouldn't we study them and read them? Shouldn't we instill them in our children as a truth, as a non-negotiable black and white truth for their foundation? Our priority as mothers, I'm a mom now, our priority as parents should be to raise and instruct our children in the word. Without it, where are our children going to gain inspiration from? Where are they going to get inspiration for life, especially in their times of trouble? Without it, where are our children going to go for instruction or to gain knowledge? I have an idea where they're going to go if they don't go to the Word. If we don't train them up in the Scriptures, then the world will train them up for you. Which leads me to priority number four. And that is a service. Priority number four is very important because Paul clearly stated his firm convictions about the unique role of the scriptures in our lives because of what the scriptures are able to do. Therefore, he declared the usefulness or the profitableness of the word in the rest of verse 16, where it says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For each aspect of Timothy's life and ministry, Scripture was useful, and it is useful for us as well. They are our source of doctrine or teaching. All of our teaching must be grounded in them. They are the standard by which our ideas must be measured upon. They are profitable, it says, for reproof. Reproof is like reprimanding us for our sin. And I find that interesting because I don't think of reproof as something desirable. But deeper reflection teaches me that a reproof is necessary for growth. Without confrontation, life tends to go on, directed by the same preconceptions and directed by the same expectations. And by the time you know it, it becomes a norm in your life and you don't know the difference 
and a lot of gray areas are built into your life. The Bible also tells us that it corrects us. Reproof in itself can be devastating and discouraging. In fact, I've had a lot of coaches over the years playing sports that were really good at the reproof start, but not all of them were able or good at being able to correct. Psalm 119, 105 tells us that the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The scriptures are for correcting, showing us where we have strayed from the truth and error. Graciously, it guides us back to the straight and narrow way, which is why the word of God is so important because it is a lamp onto our feet. It is a light onto our path. Otherwise, how are we going to know how to get back in the right path? The scriptures are for correcting, showing us where we have strayed, and we should follow as such. God breathed or God inspired scripture also trains us in righteousness. Righteousness is like guiding believers in God's ways. Scripture gives us positive instruction in righteousness. It teaches us to right belief, which then leads to right thinking, which leads to righteousness living or right living. And righteousness leads to a right relationship with God which leads to a right relationship with others. Do you guys see the how, how it just kind of continues? The written word of God is profitable in all of these things and more. And Paul had placed heavy burdens of ministry on this young disciple in this letter that he writes him, but he didn't do so irresponsibly. And I think we can gain a lot of uh, comfort from this scripture because he was confident of Timothy's commitment to independence on the scriptures And he was even more confident of God's ability to supply all of Timothy's needs through the word. In the same way, we can be expectant for God to supply all of our children's needs through the word as well. That should bring us great comfort this morning. The bottom line is this, that the scriptures equip us for service as verse 17 states. It says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now by Scripture, the man of God is complete, capable, and proficient in a sense that he's going to be able to meet all of his demands and needs of life. The scriptures are not given to us just to develop a theology or a belief system, but Paul goes on to add the word equipped in this scripture. From the root word, we get the word exerstimenos, which is where we get the word exercise. They are given to us to produce good works first in And then through us, we are to exercise our faith and put it into practice is what Paul is saying here. That's what he was telling Timothy. To be serious about the scriptures, we must ask ourselves again and again on a daily basis, in what ways are good works being produced in my children's lives? In what ways are good works being produced in my life? Because we are studying the Bible. That's a good question to ask ourselves. All of Timothy's instruction in the word and God's way had to do with preparing him for service to the Lord. And as we learn in the book of Acts, Timothy's good reputation had his start in his, in his mother's good reputation. Often, mothers, the best legacy that we can leave our children is not a pile of money or possessions, but a good name and a good example. Eunice's reputation replicated itself in her son. And Paul had no trouble in discipling this young man. Eunice served, Timothy followed. 
There are many good men and faithful servants of God that have a very similar testimony. In fact, the great Baptist preacher Campbell Morgan had four sons, and every single one of them became a preacher, became a pastor. And at a family reunion, a friend asked one of the sons, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? With his eyes beaming with delight, the son looked over to his father and said, well, it's mother. That's who the greater preacher is in this family. I want to close this morning, ladies, mothers, by asking you a series of questions. Is your child ready to serve God? It's a good question to walk away with this morning as as you contemplate your priorities. Are you preparing that son or daughter with Scripture, learned by both you at church and practiced at home? If not, this is a good time to start. Are you leading that child to the Savior, one of the the most important thing that you can do as a priority in your life? Are you training that child into his service, into God's service? Or is he unmotivated, unequipped, and undirected? Is he unprepared to meet the spirit of this age? And I will tell you, the spirit of this age is full of deception, and it will devour our children if we let it. What will your child say when the world, when peer pressure and the culture of Christlessness challenges his faith, and it's happening daily at our universities and drives home its message against Jesus with materialism, relativism, and rationalization. You know, when a child is born, there are at least two emotions. The first one is great joy. Hey, my baby's here. And the second one is, oh my, what do I do now? And as wonderful as being a mother is, it is just as scary to raise a child today. But mothers, you can take comfort this morning because the Bible does say that no weapon that is formed against us will prevail if we have Christ in our lives. Again, pointing us back to the priority of having Christ in your children's lives. There are thousands of books from Dr. Spock to Dr. Phil. We are bombarded with suggestions and authority from our own mothers to Oprah to Joyce Brothers. I mean, what's a mother to do? I would suggest this morning that you dump the fads, and that you dump the trends, and that you take a hold of this word, and that you take a hold of this priorities, the foundation, the Savior, the Scripture, the service. You see, the mother, the title of a mother, and in fact of a father as well, are not honorary titles. They are working job descriptions. Having these priorities in place will not guarantee an easy time or an easy life, but it can leave a lasting positive legacy for your children that will last from generation to generation. Mothers and dads, don't leave God's priorities to your precious, of your precious children's teachings to the preacher or the pastor or the Sunday school teacher or any other teacher for that matter. A Spanish proverb says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. You lead them to the Savior. You teach them the scripture. You prepare them for service. You be a mother on a mission with God for the eternal well-being of your child. You see, if you don't instill the word, the world will instill it in them. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word this morning. Lord, and I know that there's mothers here, Lord, that are just doing a great job in all the things that you've called them to be. 
Lord, so first I ask that you would give them a peace and that you would comfort them and that you would let them know unequivocally that you are with them. Lord, and if they ask for anything in your name, in the beautiful name of Jesus, that you will grant them, as the mothers that they are, whatever their heart's desires may be. Father, and if there are mothers here that want to commit to these four priorities of bringing their children to you first and building that solid foundation to lead them to the Savior, to teach them about the Scriptures and prepare them for service, Father, I ask that as they make that commitment in their heart right now, and if that's you this morning, all you have to say is, I make that commitment to you right now, God. Lord, I ask that you would honor that commitment, that you would be a light unto their path. And as they step into your path, Father, I ask that you would be a huge beacon of light that they may just stay in that path, Lord, and continue to please you in all that they do. They, they would be a model for everything that they do and that their children would be able to observe that. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, for your word brings truth into our hearts. May it make a difference as we walk out of these doors. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.